WYY Casper, a Town Square media station. Hooking and hunting outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Yee-haw! Okay, okay. Holy cow! May I have your attention, please? Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsey. Ah, uh, this is Craig Morgan. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. A great show, a great day. We sure appreciate you tuning in. And, of course, if you have friends that would maybe enjoy this show, tell them they can get in on the My Country 95.5 mobile app on demand anytime, 24-7 at the app. we got a lot to talk about today, and that includes information from Wyoming Game and Fish about uh, some diseases that are floating around. And some interesting reports have come out over the last few days We'll try to uh, get you information on diseases, the chronic wasting disease, EHD, and other types of viruses floating around and information about those viruses. We've also got Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. We'll talk about uh, in-store deals. We'll talk about the fact that Thanksgiving is just a little bit away and maybe you'll need some new ways of cooking that bird or uh, finding out other ways to cook your meal. And uh, what's going on upland bird hunting right now? Brian's been out in the field, and we'll find out about that. My buddy Jim Crowley is on the show. We'll talk hunting and fishing and loving every day, and he's got a new show that he wants to tell us all about, and we'll do that in just a little while. You can find out more information about him over at uh, jimcrowleyoutdoors.com. All right, let's get into this show. We've got lots to cover, lots to do. Stick around. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, My Country 95.5. Thank you so much for joining us. We really love talking to Wyoming Game and Fish on this program so that we can get the information you need correctly and accurately. And we have Dr. Samantha Allen, who is a wildlife veterinarian, and of course, Jana Milik, who is our unofficial official co-host. And Janet, do we have any specific numbers yet when it comes to what the disease is looking like in the state? You know, um, Drew, first of all, we really appreciate everybody helping us with this effort because it is a big deal to make sure that we are sampling for diseases. And I know that you didn't talk about the other disease because you can't say it. Epizootic hemorrhagic disease was the other one that we've talked about on right. this show. And so I'll, I'll help you out with that. But EHD is what we say for short. But yes, chronic wasting disease, CWD, we have had some, some great support from our hunters in submitting those samples across the state. And recently we got some numbers back and we've had 4,800 samples submitted as of a couple weeks ago. And so Sam might have more fresh numbers than I do, but that, that's where we were looking a couple weeks ago. And, and we're really appreciative of all those people um, helping us out because it is helping us with, with um, our disease management. Dr. Sam, is a number like 4,000, is that normal, above normal, below normal? I think we're where we would like to be. I mean, I have been here for about a year and a half. So um, I would say that we're about where we were last year, probably a little bit more. I know that we've been requiring, you know, some extra sampling to occur because we're really trying to fill up some of the data that we were missing in some key parts of the state. And I think everyone has been doing an excellent job at trying to fill in that data. 
Um, unfortunately, you know, until the season is done, until I really get to sit down and look at the numbers, I can't really tell you exactly. Um, we're getting what we need and we're getting them from the areas where we haven't previously been getting. Um, so I think that's really important for Wyoming. Is there a major worry when it comes to some of these diseases, especially when it comes to human interaction? Um, I would say it's really kind of species and area specific. You know, eating wild game doesn't come without, you know, risk, right? These are animals that are living in the wild. We don't know exactly what they're getting into. We don't know where they've been. Um, so as far as comparing them to like a domestic animal system, right, those animals are you know, monitored a little closer, they get a really good anti-mortem inspection, right? They see the animals while they're still alive. And then after, um, they also have someone who's inspecting them. So there is a higher level of risk just because we don't always go into it knowing everything. Um, as far as chronic wasting disease is concerned, obviously, depending on where you're hunting and some of the information we have, that risk increases, right? Based on what the prevalence of the herds are or what you're kind of after in deer and elk. Um, and as far as the CDC and the OIE and other all, you know, really fancy organizations are concerned, people shouldn't be consuming animals that are CWD positive. So it's really important, not only for us in Wyoming to get that information from a surveillance perspective to help us manage and track the disease. It's also important for people um, if they are concerned um, with consuming CWD meat. Um, as far as something like EHD or that epizootic hemorrhagic disease virus, it hasn't been shown to impact people, um, but the carcass itself, when you open it up, is gonna not look great, right? It's gonna look something similar to an animal with septicemia. You'll see a bunch of hemorrhage or blood. Um, the lungs are gonna look really congested and sad, you know, kind of hard and not what you typically like to consume. So in those cases, I would also just say, don't consume the meat because it could be a number of different things and it's not something you really wanna risk. And then the last thing I'll leave here, which we don't typically talk about, are our risk to kind of our domestic animals, like our cats and dogs. Um, but I always kind of caution people on feeding raw um, meat to their cats and dogs because it kind of fulfills some of that parasite cycle and continues the spread. So it's just something to think about um, when you're feeding raw meat to your pets at home. One more thing before I let you guys go. Uh, there are a, a lot of illnesses that humans contract every year, whether it be a cold or a flu or some other virus that's floating around. Uh, is there concern with the interaction of humans and the wildlife to where maybe this can be transmitted? Yeah, and I mean, I won't go into tons of details, but I would say that there is always a concern if the animal can contract the disease. Um, I'm going to use a, an example that's out there right now. Um, so COVID or, you know, SARS-CoV-19 um, it's definitely one where certain wild animals have the ability um, because they have similar receptors that we have in the lungs, you know, to pick up these viruses. And is it something that they're giving back to people? We don't know. Um, but what we do know is they're starting to identify, you know, white-tailed deer being either infected and or exposed um, to this virus. Um, and there's a lot of information out there right now on it, so I won't go into it too much. But I would say this is still early days. Um, there's a lot of information that we still need to really make, you know, some concise management um, actions or implications. And I would just keep telling people that, you know, there's currently no evidence that you're going to get COVID-19 from eating, you know, deers, even deers that have been infected with it. And we still don't have any great evidence that, you know, deer can give it to us, right? We're still, the primary reservoir is human beings. I really hate the term fact-checking, but in reality, you need to check your facts before you start spreading 
on the internet. Get the good information that is true and precise. And I mean, one of the great sources for people, if they are interested in deer and COVID and all that stuff, the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies put out a pretty good two to three pager that really is succinct and summarizes the information that's out there. So they're a good group. They have a lot of great people working for them. Um, and it's, you know, pretty easy for anyone to kind of read through and see what's available. Dr. Sam, thank you so much for all that information. Stick around. We want to ask you a career question in just a couple of minutes. If you have any more questions about this, you can go hit us up at the My Country 95.5 mobile app. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Wyoming Game and Fish, very open to answering your questions here on the program. If you have a question, you can go over and ask us at the My Country 95.5 mobile app. We're very lucky to have wildlife vet Dr. Samantha Allen on the program to answer any questions that we may have. And one question I have, Dr. Allen, is if you're a young child and you want to become a veterinarian, what do you need to start doing? So the fun thing with the term wildlife veterinarian is there's a lot of different ones out there. Um, so it can mean something similar to my job, which is looking at free-ranging wildlife populations, and you're looking at general health and wellness for a state or a province. Um, there are wildlife veterinarians that work in rehab, um, so they're looking at individual animals and trying to get them ready to be released again. There's ones that work in policy only, um, and there's kind of like a spectrum in there too. So there's academics and all that good stuff. For my job and looking at kind of the free-ranging side, right, for a state, um, basically you have to go through an undergraduate degree um, you have to do okay, because then you have to apply to veterinary school and get in there. Um, for me, I decided to do a master's degree prior to that. Um, so I think that helped with my application, because I think it showed that I was really passionate about wildlife and about animal health. Um, so that was about four years plus two plus another four for the vet degree. Um, and then what I happened to do is I wanted to specialize, and I wanted to specialize in wildlife disease. Um, so I did a PhD. Um, so that was another kind of four to five years ish, really focusing in on there. And in between just a bunch of, you know, getting my hands on wildlife, working in a clinic. Um, I worked in a few slaughter plants. I worked with large animals um, and really just running the gamut because I didn't want to, you know, put any kind of opportunities away. Now for everyone else out there wanting to be a wildlife vet, it doesn't mean you have to do what I did. Um, I know a lot of wildlife vets, you know, that did their vet degree and found a job like mine. I know others that went and did residencies and zoo and wildlife disease, and those programs exist in Canada and the USA. Um, so I would just say, you know, there's one, there's not one true path really, but you do have to go to veterinary school. So that's definitely a prerequisite. So maybe focus on that first and kind of figure out the rest as you go. So as a young high schooler, what are some classes or some activities that you need just to get the ball rolling for your future? That's a great question. And I, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to say how old I am, so I'm not sure if these classes <laughs> still exist anymore, but um, I would say to really try and enjoy your high school. So if you're really interested in drama and art, please take drama and art. It's really important when you get to your undergrad or like college degree to make sure, you know, you're focusing on a biology or an animal science or something like that. Um, but as long as you're hitting those prerequisites to get into that program um, in college or undergrad, I think that's the way to go. You should still really explore. I, I know people that wanted to be vets since they were three years old, right? And they really centered their life around, I'm going to take chemistry, biology, and physics, and that's all I'm going to take. But 
I think you should still enjoy your high school and really try and explore different options. So again, as long as you're getting what you need to get into that undergraduate program, like taking your biology, you know, when you're in grade 12, if that's still a thing, um, you know, and taking your physics and chemistry and doing well enough to get in, I think that's what's important, but definitely don't, you know, avoid those art courses and some of the other things. Um, Cause I think that makes you a more rounded person and you might, you know, find a really awesome hobby or you might decide altogether I love the arts, and that's what I'm going to go into. So, you know, try to explore a bit. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Sam. Now, if you have a question for Game and Fish that you would like answered on this program, go hit us up at the My Country 95.5 mobile app. My Country 95.5. You're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Rocky Mountain Discount Sports is one of my favorite places here in uh, in Casper and, and all of Central Wyoming. And we're with Brian. And Brian, we have talked a lot over the last few weeks about uh, guys that are out. They're getting their hunting done. They're they're making the kills. They're they're firing off some of those uh, precious uh, ammunition shells. And uh, we're to the point of the the season where some people are winding down. So it's probably good time to start taking care of your firearms to make sure they're ready to go in the future oh yeah absolutely you know a lot of times we're out there in some pretty rough conditions and we get back from our hunt and we worry about taking care of our animal and getting it processed but putting that gun away for the season is uh, equally important you know a lot of times we're out there in some pretty rough conditions and might put that gun away in the in the case wet so you know it's a good time to make sure that uh, get it get that gun back out get it cleaned up get it properly lubricated and and put it back away so that uh, next season we don't run into problems. Now, not only can, you know, if someone forgets to clean their gun and it rusts up and it ruins it, they can buy new guns here. But you do have everything that you need to preserve that, that precious gun that you hate putting away. But, you know, you, you want it out in the spring in good good shape. Oh, yeah. We um, uh, definitely have all the cleaning supplies. We, we carry a lot of the... the major manufacturers of clean, gun cleaning components, uh, rods, uh, patches, you know, all your lubricants. Uh, and the guys here at the, the gun counter can certainly help get you directed, but buying a good cleaning kit right off the bat will save you money in the long run for sure. Now, one thing that uh, is coming up here very quickly, and that's Thanksgiving. So there may be some folks that are looking for a new way to prepare that bird, or maybe they're going to do something a little different this year. Uh, you guys have a great line of Traegers and uh, all the pellets that they'll need uh, to smoke that meat. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite uh, ways to prepare, you know, that, that Thanksgiving turkey. And uh, Traeger does have a uh, a pellet that's de- designed for uh, for turkey, and it comes with its own brining kit, which, uh, you know, you do a 24-hour brine. It's got a solution in there that you mix, put your turkey in there, and it helps break down those enzymes on that turkey. And, boy, I talk about the, the moistest turkey I've ever had. It works out great. You know, any time that you buy something specifically for a, a type of meat, I mean, it really adds to the uh, the experience, eating and even smoking it. Oh yeah, and, and they they do it for a reason. I mean, it it actually works, and uh, we um, we did a bunch of small small turkey hens here last year for the employees, and it's amazing how well they came out. Now, we have talked a lot about the fact that uh, we are in Wyoming and we could have 70 degrees today and 25 tomorrow. So you got to be prepared uh, when it comes clothing-wise. And you guys, I, I noticed I like to walk through and take a gander at what you have, and it looks like you're pretty set for uh, cold weather. Yeah, and it's actually uh, this last week we've had quite a few uh, more deliveries on Boggs boots. So, you know, 
Right. We haven't had a whole lot of moisture here the last couple of weeks, but it's coming. Yeah, it'll be here. Uh, speaking of uh, cold and moisture and maybe even Christmas presents, but uh, all or most of your ice fishing gear is in and on display. So you guys are ready to, to start shipping that out the door. Yeah, and then, you know it's a it's a great Christmas present. But uh, on top of that, I mean we we've got the the product in early this year, which is is nice, and we've got it in in uh, pretty good quantities. So good selection, all of our augers, our ice huts, all the tip ups, all the the jigs, and all that type of stuff. Um, Really, really happy with the selection that we have this year and the, the fact that we've got it in early. So. And what I love about Rocky Mountain Discount Sports is it maybe this is going to be your first year doing ice fishing. There are people in the store that do it every year and have for years and years, so can help you get set up with everything you need. Yeah, and if you uh, keep an eye out for that uh, Thanksgiving Black Friday special, uh, there's definitely going to be some uh, good values on some of the ice fishing uh, components uh, during that Black Friday uh, advertisement that we'll be running. Hard to believe we're to that point. It was just summer a second ago, wasn't it? Man, I know. it's it, it's It always comes quick. Now, uh, you you and I like to, to shoot the breeze about things, and uh, you've been doing a, lo- a lot of hunting, and you've been getting out seeing some pheasants, and uh, there was even some snow geese here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and has uh, how's it looking for for this year when it comes to the waterfowl and upland bird you know the upland bird stuff i mean uh has been pretty good talked to quite a few people that have been down to springer and glendo and had really good success uh, i spent a lot of time out here at riverbend roosters uh, just outside of town and we had a fantastic hunt yesterday uh, the waterfowl there's uh, quite a few ducks around there's there's just so much open water right now that it's uh you know they got they got creeks and they got ponds and uh, for me the hunting really doesn't really get too exciting until some of that stuff starts freezing up and you can kind of pattern them a little bit better. But uh, we we had those geese uh, they kind of pushed through a little bit. There's still a bunch of locals here, but uh, it's still early. We get uh, you know we get to hunt geese in this area to right through about the middle of February. So. Um, it's just going to get better. Yeah, and that's what I love about uh, Wyoming is there's always something to hunt and something to fish, and you know, I mean, it's nonstop. Yeah, if you're not doing something, you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> get over here and check them out at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's a great weekend to start your Christmas shopping. Even think about those uh, hunters where maybe you think they've got everything and can always use a gift card. Get it here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. You're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, My Country 95.5. Thanks for tuning into the show, and uh, we always have special guests on this show, and uh, my buddy Jim Crowley from Jim Crowley Outdoors joins us from time to time to keep us up to date with what's happened with him. Of course, you can go to jimcrowleyoutdoors.com and find out all the details. Now, Jim has been doing hunting and fishing videos for years and years. And Jim, this year you've switched to only doing fishing videos so that you can enjoy the labors of your love in the duck blind. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's really funny because uh, we were just talking about that the other day in, in the blind. And, and usually, you you know, all year I have a camera with me and that's that's what I do. I mean, that's, you know, I, I fish for a living basically. And, and, you know, and then we were duck hunting for a living. And, but the thing is, since more, we went more to fish and I kind of just keep the camera away when we're duck hunting now. It's just, it's something for my buddies and the team that I usually hunt with is we should just go without a camera in our face and just relax. And it, it's really funny because couldn't believe how relaxed I was last week in the blind. I don't have to worry about a show. I don't have to worry about angles being the right way and all those things that, that believe it or not, you do worry about when you're trying to get 
a show. It's interesting how when you keep your mind clear and and not so focused on the small task at hand, how much you really start enjoying the things that you love again. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, this year um, we're, we were filming episodes, you know, for next year, for, for 2022, and I was fishing. And this was the first time in a long time that I actually got out about five or six times on my own with no camera, didn't take anybody with me in a, in a very, very long time, and just went out and fished and just went back to basics and just let my, you know, my intuition and my gut feeling tell me what to do. And all five of those trips that I did, I had incredible days on the water. And I think I'm going to be doing that from now on, that several times a year, I'm just going to go out with anything and just get refocused and remember how I used to do it without a schedule and just go and fish. And actually, later in the year, it made the filming a lot easier because I didn't worry so much about the camera, even though it was there. I just went back to basics and just went back to fishing, but it worked really well. And, and uh, I'm, lo- I'm already looking forward to 2022. Yeah. And that's a great lesson for anyone, no matter where you are, you're doing it for the love of hunting and fishing. So when the, the love kind of gets beat up on a little bit it's it's hard to continue on but jim you've got some pretty big things happening with jim crowley mm-hmm. outdoors you can go jim com. find him all over facebook and instagram and uh, you, you have a new podcast you're starting yeah we're really excited about that it's called slick fish radio uh but we go live on facebook live on youtube and then um we're on after that it's on roku and fire tv and then we're lining up things right now to be on itunes it's a lot of fun we have great guests from the outdoors a couple weeks ago we had uh tackle warehouse pro justin lucas on uh we've had pro john murray bill lowen and just a a troy linder's been on just a, a bunch of people from the outdoors and it's fun we just we just talk fishing we talk industry and then we have people you know commenting live and asking questions and then we give away some prizes sometimes it's it's a lot of fun but it's done i think with a great sense of humor with a lot of information uh i would say it's very informative and very entertaining and and it seems to be picking up and gaining speed and and i'm enjoying the heck out of that it's fun awesome we'll have to check it out at jim crowley outdoors on all the social media and jim crowley outdoors.com now jim i want to ask you a question very quickly when the snow starts to fly, it freezes up, and you have some open water on a creek or river like the North Platte. How do you usually set up your decoys? Yeah, it, it depends. Now, if it's a really small creek, you know, you we put out maybe a dozen or two decoys. There's not a lot. And if there's little sandbars, I'll put up some full-body decoys on a sandbar to make it look a little bit more realistic. And then some of the decoys that are just – they're going to be facing into the current that's the way the decoys are set up and that looks more natural to the ducks if i was just on a big open body where water you would like to set your decoys with um the wind at your back because waterfowl will land into the wind right well on a river sometimes with the current it's hard to do that you have to set with the current uh, because if you don't, it, it's going to be a mess for your lines and everything is can get all tangled up. So you just have to adjust and realize which way the birds are going to be coming in because the wind direction obviously can be different than the current direction. So a, a lot of that comes into play. It, it can be a little bit more trickier setting decoys in a current situation when the wind's blowing the opposite way. But anybody who's done it a little bit, you pretty much get the idea for it, you know, after one or two tangles and go, you know what, I better start setting um, with the current. And But, yeah, there's it's just like anything, but those ducks always 
like to land into the wind whenever possible. So you've always got that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about a decoy set. Excellent. Jim, thank you so much as always. And if you want more info on Jim or any questions you have for him, you can go to the My Country 95.5 mobile app. Jim, thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in here on Wyoming, hooking and hunting outdoors. Of course, any questions you have, you can leave them on the My Country 95.5 mobile app. And also, any shows that you've missed, get them on demand at the app. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5.